0: Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church, Doncaster, in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for
1: listening. Now I've got some people hopefully to help me this morning. Is it you, and David, and Colin, and Carrie? Um, one of you is meant to be sat, isn't I suppose. No. No. Right, this morning... I want you to imagine something, just for a moment. I want you to imagine that it's somewhere around 2,000 years ago and that the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church has just been received. And we're at the end of a meeting in that church in Ephesus, on the day that Paul's letter was read out.
0: Bye Lydia, see you later in the week. Yes, it was great to hear from Paul again, wasn't it? It seems so long since we saw him. Yes, it was such an inspiring letter. Anyway, they'll all be with you, Persephone. And don't forget, it's your turn to bring the cakes next week. (laughs) Goodbye. Oh, 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 ah uh, I thought everyone had gone, and here you are, sat all alone, some horse we are. Where's my wife? Fancy her, leaving you all alone like that. Don't worry, no, I was just sat
2: thinking, I'd
0: lost some of time. Oh, I can understand that. When Marcus read out the letter, I could almost hear Paul's voice. Paul's here with us here in Ephesus, you know. When he first came to us, with the good news about Jesus. But listen to me, rambling on. Oh, I'm so rude, I don't even know your name. I'm Septimus, and you're very welcome to our home.
2: I'm Diana. My friend Lystra brought me.
0: Yes, she mentioned he was going to bring you along. Well, you certainly picked a good day to come. It's not every day we get a letter from Paul. Do you remember what it said?
2: Oh, well, yeah, some of it, but... There was so much to take in, it's quite
0: hard. I can understand that all right. There certainly was. I'm lucky I've read it a few times, so I'll probably remember more. Right at the beginning it said, He chose us in Him before the very creation of the world. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus. Uh, Isn't that just so amazing? You see, Diana, God loves every one of us, and Jesus lived and died so that that we might all be truly free and forgiven because of his great sacrifice on that cross. You know, that includes you and me, and I'm just so thankful for that.
2: Yeah, it's love that's at the centre of it all, and he just loves us, and we must love each other. You mean,
0: you, are that you have to love everyone? Well, that is difficult at times, I have to admit, but none of us could live the way Jesus wants us to, if he hadn't sent his Holy Spirit. He comes and lives in each one of us. I know Jesus came and died. And then came back to life. Because my friend told me. I think it's a wonderful story. Well this man Paul who wrote the letter. That was read out. He talked about a spirit. And about being strengthened by its power. Is that what you're talking about? Oh yes Diana. It's so exciting. And there's so much to know. I think we're really going to be talking about it. For a long time to come.
1: So, 2,000 years later, what does this mean for our church?
2: Goodbye, see you later. Hi, are you okay? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Are you sure you seem miles away? Um, I'm not
3: really sure what I'm doing here. I was just walking up to the co-op to get my paper and somehow I'm sat here. I'm not sure what's happened. How mad
2: is that? Don't worry about it. On the first night on one of our alpha courses, we ended up with a man who just popped out for a pint of milk. It happens.
3: Oh, so so I'm not an idiot then?
2: No, you're not. And I can speak with some personal authority on that.
3: So what happened to the pint of milk guy?
2: He found what he was looking for.
3: Um, that wasn't a pint of
2: milk? No, it was something lasting much longer and a lot more refreshing.
3: You you know this this place has changed so much. I came here a year or so back, and it's and it and it's much the same. No, sorry, this place hasn't changed so much. I came here a year or so back. go to expect it. <laughs> that letter in the sermon wasn't that the letter to the Ephesians? Yes. I always like that depth and height and length and width. I used to go to church when I was little with my mum and dad. I even made a commitment when I was around about eight or nine. But I don't really know why I'm telling you all this. I don't even know your name.
2: It's Christine.
3: Oh right. I'm John. So so Chris, what were you doing here? Was it was it like that pint of milk thing for you or or were you waiting for me like the lost sheep thing?
2: I haven't even met you before. And it's not me that he came to the meeting when I just went out for the paper. I haven't even read it yet, I'm sorry. So what do you think a saved person looks like?
3: I don't know. Um, like you maybe, or maybe like that woman over there.
2: But you like that height and depth and width thing, then?
3: Yeah, I reckon the guy was on form anymore. And for a man who wants persecuted Christians, the way God
0: uses Paul now—it's a miracle. The way the Holy Spirit leads him and directs him. And the wonderful thing is that God use any one of us if only we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and unlock everything. It is that which gives us the desire to change, to become more like Christ.
2: Oh, so you mean the Spirit lives inside of you then? And God love, God's love makes you do things you wouldn't normally do?
3: Absolutely. You know, I sat in church for years, but I never really knew Jesus.
2: The truth is that for me it was only when I allowed the Holy Spirit to work in me that I really started to change. Changing into the woman that God wanted me to be. If you let the Holy Spirit into your life, it's an incredible adventure. It's like having a whole new plan for your life.
0: And when Jesus becomes the Lord of your life, your whole life will change. God's love is an eternal gift, one that we must share, because through Jesus we have the most wonderful reassurance that he will always be with us, and that he will never leave us. I how
3: do you know it's true? Yes, how do you know it's all true?
0: Mm-hmm. I know it's true, not because I know Paul, but because I know Jesus. <coughs> Look, I have something to show you here. I
2: know it's true, because I have the Holy Spirit living in me, and he lets me see you through his eyes. I wasn't going to speak to you, but he was saying, Go on, Christine, speak to him. It is like Paul says here,
1: I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Thank you. Thank you. You know, just as it was for the Ephesians, it is for us as well. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, do you think Jesus would have John back? God's waiting for him with open arms. He's just waiting to welcome him home, to encourage him. And if that's where you are this morning, then I want to encourage you. Go for it. You won't regret it, because it's like you never left. But all through the centuries, it's been the same questions. How do I know? How can I be sure? And you know, the answer to that has always remained the same as well. It isn't because of some dry theology in a book, but because we have the Holy Spirit... To guide us and direct us. And because when we find his work in our lives bringing conviction and correction, we know that it is true. Because we rely on him daily for his strengthening and his, for, for his empowerment. Now, if you're visiting this morning, I just want to explain that we've been looking at a series on the Holy Spirit. And we've been doing that since January, looking at various aspects of that subject. But today, I want to focus on some very practical aspects on the way in which the Holy Spirit helps us. And so I want us to look at a number of passages out of John 14, 15 and 16. So if you've got a Bible with you, you might want to turn to John 14. Because when you read the passages, you come to realise that although Jesus spent three years with his disciples, he never spoke to them directly about the Holy Spirit. He didn't talk about it until... The very night before he was betrayed. And I find that quite surprising. There are some cases where, for example, Simeon, when he meets the baby Jesus, is filled with the Spirit. There's the time when Jesus sends out the disciples in two, and he said the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. But he never really taught them directly about the Holy Spirit until the very night before he was betrayed. And then you find, in these three or four chapters, he lays out the whole picture. It's like he takes the bits of the jigsaw and starts to fit them together. And I'd really like to encourage you, before your midweek groups, go home and just read through these three or four chapters. Read them through during the week and see how he does that. Because today we're just going to pull out four small passages in particular. Now who here is old enough to remember 1966? There are a few. What happened that year? England won the World Cup. My mother broke the sofa. The two are connected. We had a fairly old sofa my mother was a woman of fairly ample proportions and in the excitement of that World Cup final she jumped up in the air, came down rather heavy and the piece of wood across the front cracked. It's funny how you remember certain things, isn't it? And One of the things I remember is when I was at infant school I had a number of friends. But there's one, and I remember him quite well, because he had an imaginary friend. Now, that's something that a lot of children have at some point or another, and perhaps they look in the mirror, see their reflection, and give it a name. But this friend of mine used to bring his imaginary friend to school. Somehow, the teachers on the whole managed to ignore it. They just carried on as normal but he would talk to his imaginary friend now I don't know whether it was planned but if it was it was a work of pure genius because you couldn't lose when the teachers asked him a question he'd turn his head whisper to his friend listen and then come back with the answer now, of course, if he was right, he knew that anyway. But if it was wrong, it was his friend, Freddie, who'd given him the answer. He consulted Freddie on virtually everything. It was an absolute classic. He would talk to him in the playground. And after a while, other people started to talk to Freddie through him. I don't know whether they were patronising him or just going along with what they thought was a game. But it was as if he really had this friend. It was, it was quite amazing. Now, I was quite canny, even in those days. It was once said of me, if I didn't become a Christian, I would have been dangerous. I came up with a plan and I started talking directly to Freddie. I missed my friend out of the loop. I didn't go through him because Freddie was my friend as well. That didn't go down well. I would invite Freddie to come and sit with me for a change. And do you know what? Freddie said yes. Now, my friend's reaction was quite interesting. Even at the age of six, he said to me, "Freddie couldn't be my friend. And he told me that I couldn't see him. So yeah, of course I can. He said, but what's he wearing? (laughs) Now, of course you can come up with anything, because he can't prove you wrong. He said, but I bet you don't know where he lives. I said, well, he lives with you. He told me that I obviously couldn't know him that well, because he bet I didn't know his favourite colour. But of course I did. It was the same as mine, funnily enough. In the end, out of sheer frustration, he blurted it out. You can't know him because I've just made him up. This is what Jesus says in John 14. And I'm starting reading at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. The world cannot receive him, because it neither sees him or knows him. You see, the world just does not recognise the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is saying this to his disciples, what he is doing is starting to change their whole thinking. They were used to the Old Testament way of looking at things where the Holy Spirit came on chosen people for a chosen time to accomplish a particular task. He came on Samson. He came on the prophets. He came even on King Saul. And he enabled them to do something supernatural. And then it left. And they were all aware of that, they were used to that. But then Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. The word there is the Greek word parakletos. Someone who comes alongside you to live with you, to help you and to encourage you. Jesus was saying, this is what it's going to be like. In the past, you've experienced the Holy Spirit when he comes and goes. But now, you're going to know him. Now, he will be with you. He will be in you. He was saying that now there would be a new time. And that, for them, would have been something of a revelation that as they had their day-to-day contact with the world, the Holy Spirit was there with them, living inside them. Now, although that story about my friend's imaginary friend, Freddie, might seem silly, it's actually quite a good picture of how we can interact with the Holy Spirit. Because imagine it. We can talk to the Holy Spirit. We can ask him for answers. And do you know what? He does answer. We can talk to him as if he's our friend. As you go through the day, what do you think, Holy Spirit? What should I do in this situation? What should I be praying for here? What do you want me to say? Speak to me. Now sometimes you might not be entirely comfortable with all the answers. When he's encouraging you to do something that's actually outside your comfort zone. But he's still there. Sometimes we might do things that the Holy Spirit is uncomfortable with. We might grieve him. But he's still there. He's just like having an imaginary friend that you can communicate with during the day. Now in the early church, they didn't have all their theology sorted out on this. In fact, it it wasn't until probably the third or fourth centuries they started to get a grip on it. Up until that point, they just lived with it. And yet, not understanding it, but just living with it, turned our world upside down. If you'd asked them to explain it, they couldn't. But they knew. They knew because they had the relationship. They knew he was there, and they knew he wasn't going away. That's the first thing that Jesus tells us. It is all about relationship. He's in you. He isn't going away. He's here to be with you and to help you. second passage I want us to look at this morning is in John 14, verse 26 and 27. And it says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you he's going to teach you and he's going to remind you of what has been said having looked first of all at relationship this is about function This is what he is going to do. It's the same for us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He encourages us. He reminds us of the things that we have been told or that we have seen. He reminds us in our day-to-day lives of what Jesus taught. You know, there's a saying. If learners haven't learnt, teachers haven't taught. If learners haven't learnt, teachers haven't taught. If you go away this morning having learnt nothing, then I haven't really taught much. In fact, if I go away thinking I've taught something and you haven't learnt, I'm deluding myself. Because if you haven't learnt anything, then I've been unsuccessful in my teaching. Because one aspect of teaching to be successful is it needs to lead to a change. If I stood here this morning and started putting up onto the screen some of the law that I work with during the week, if I stood and even explained it, even if I stood and told you how you could use it, unless it gave you an understanding that led you being able to apply it in the future then actually my teaching is in vain because that's what teaching is all about I mean it's said that lecturing is the art of transfer- transferring the notes of the professor to the notebook of the student without engaging brains of either and there's a certain amount of truth in that but that's not good teaching And if that is the case, that's not what we need in the church. And that certainly isn't what the work of the Holy Spirit is about. The best lessons most of us have learnt are those that have been learnt through experience in a hands-on situation. And it's in those hands-on situations that the Holy Spirit comes to us to teach us and to remind us. And sometimes that means it takes time, and sometimes it means we make mistakes. You know, the sign of a mature Christian isn't his age, neither is it how long since he was saved. I think the measure of a mature Christian is the amount of time between him hearing something from Christ and becoming obedient to it. The shorter that period of time, the more that person is walking in maturity. And so the Holy Spirit comes to us, teaches us, reminds us, and interacts with us. But we need to put those things into practice. And it leads to some common questions. Like, how do I know that it's the Holy Spirit talking to me? Now, I want to ask you a simple question. When the phone rings and you pick it up, and you hear those first three or four words, how do you know who it is? You recognise the voice. You listen to it. You take a note unconsciously of its tone, its accent, maybe even the words that are used. The subject matter might give you a hint. And within a few words, you often start to recognize who it is. Some voices are very distinctive. My mother-in-law always starts her telephone conversations with the same three words. Is Moenna there? (laughs) She just knows she will get a far better natter out of Moenna than she will me. laughing just thinking about that you know some of our friends have distinctive voices distinctive accents and the same is true of the Holy Spirit what we have to do is learn to recognize his voice And you know, the truth is simple. The more time you spend listening to someone, the more likely you are to recognise their voice. So spend time listening to the Holy Spirit. Learn to recognise his voice. Here are some pointers. On the whole, the Holy Spirit is far more interested in people and relationships than he is about programs and achievements. With the Holy Spirit, it is all about people. Whatever he talks about to you, the emphasis is on people. He might be talking to you about some new program, something that you should be doing in cell group. Something that affects the organisation. Something that affects your workplace. But the emphasis will be on how that will have an effect on people. The Holy Spirit brings conviction to our lives. Never condemnation. And the difference is, he empowers us to overcome, and then leads us to repentance. He doesn't just slag us off and tell us we are unworthy and incapable. The Holy Spirit is inclusive. When you hear voices saying things that are exclusive, that tend to want to keep certain people out, that isn't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit repeats things. They're not just a one-off. He will drip things into your mind. He will say them time and time again. They will become a theme in your life. And he does that for our benefit. It's a bit like going through the metal detectors at the airport. I have to go up to the airport quite regularly for my work, and uh, as a result, over the years of getting fed up of setting off the alarms every time I go through, I take a number of precautions. I have boots that have composite hard toes rather than steel hard toes. I, um, before I get out of the car, I empty my pockets of everything that isn't essential. I, do everything I can to make sure that it's as painless as possible and then you get up to the security check-in and I take my jacket off anything that I needed with me that's metals in the jacket pockets by then because I've transferred it as i walked up and I get there and I'm confident that I'm going to go through with no problem and then once in a while I still set the alarm off and you go through and it goes beep <laughs> whoa whoa they take you back through first of all and they get you just to remove anything because you might have left your watch on or something you've just not thought about and you go through again Beep. so now out comes the portable wand and they're going all down the sides into your pockets and everywhere trying to work out what is causing it and you'll be amazed at what can set those off I've had a paper clip in my pocket before now And that took a bit of finding. But it's the same. The Holy Spirit, if he's unhappy with things in your life, as you go through that detector, will beep time and time and time again until the issues are resolved. And then the Holy Spirit brings things which are relevant to life. He doesn't talk about things which are irrelevant. He talks about what is happening around you. So that's the second thing that Jesus showed us, that the Holy Spirit would teach us and remind us. And in John 15, starting again at verse 26, when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the father the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will bear witness about me and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning the Holy Spirit talks about Jesus he keeps us on track He keeps us thinking about Jesus and about talking about him. He doesn't talk about things that are irrelevant. And then there's this second element here. That he brings us to a point where we testify, where we talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit encourages us to live provocative lives. To live a life that is so different to the world, but it stimulates others to ask questions. That gives us openings. That gives us the opportunities for conversations. And then he encourages us and he gives us the courage and the confidence to give answers. To introduce the subject. To talk about Jesus. And you know, in the long term, that is how the kingdom is being built. One life after another. One believer at a time. Because actually, there is no other strategy. We might use tools like Alpha or guest services. We might hold socials so that we can invite friends to come along and see we're not really so weird. But at the end of the day... What it is about is winning one heart at a time to Jesus. So the third thing that Jesus told us was that the Holy Spirit would be his witness and would help us be witnesses about him. And then in John 16, starting at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged here Jesus is giving a very simple message he's saying to his disciples you're in a battle You're in a battle. Now, I don't know if you realise this, but we are in a battle. And you've got to get used to it. But the Holy Spirit empowers us. And that's the main reason it is vitally important that we are continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Day in, day out. We need lives that are empowered. Because we are caught up in this battle that is being fought in the spiritual realms. That's why we need to encourage each other to pray in tongues. Because we're in a battle. And we need all the building up and the strengthening we can get in order to see this world turned round. That's what it means to be a true charismatic. Not that we play around with these gifts of the Spirit to entertain one another or to have a good time on a Sunday. But so that we can wield them as weapons, like seasoned soldiers in a fight. So this is what Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, said to his disciples it's all about relationship (laughs) the Holy Spirit is your friend he will teach you he will remind you he'll testify about Jesus and he'll help you do the same because we're in a battle We need to be aware of that. We need to be looking out for each other. We need to be fighting for one another and watching each other's backs. I don't know how you can walk the Christian life without the Holy Spirit with you day by day. Although I know many try. But I just want to encourage you Every day, ask God to fill you afresh with his spirit. To anoint you for everything you need during the day. Give him permission to teach you, to remind you of the things that Jesus taught. Be prepared to let him loosen your tongue and set you talking about Jesus. And be prepared for the battle. Make sure you're walking alongside others. That they're looking out for you and you're looking out for them. That you can have a good week and a safe week. And give glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish the meeting there this morning. But if anyone would like prayer, we'll always pray for people to be filled with the Spirit, to be healed. Do come and ask. Otherwise, have a great week and may God bless you. Bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.